0: Estee Lauder dares you to go nude with new Double Wear Nude Cushion Stick Radiant Makeup. Now at Macy's, experience the all-day wear of this instantly hydrating makeup and pro tool in one. First you buff, then you blend to smooth an even skin tone for a finish so nude, so radiant, it looks like your own flawless skin. Try Double Wear in your shade for 10 days free. Visit Estee Lauder at your nearest Macy's to discover new Double Wear Nude Cushion Stick Radiant Makeup and get your free 10-day supply. Don't miss it. Log Talk Radio.
1: Everybody, welcome to another installment of Brown Sugar and Spice. I'm one of your hosts, V.P. Deasy. If you want to call up, that number is 646-200-3462. Once again, that number is 646-200-3462. Make sure you press that one button when you call up. We got a special show for you guys tonight. Um, We're going to be talking about black businesses in Silicon Valley and it's going to be a dope show. So, once again, that number is 646-200-3462. Make sure you hit that one button when you call up. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to everybody that's been listening and telling us that the show is dope. You know what I'm saying? It's been been a fun run, and we're about to get – My my host, I'm sorry, not my co-host, about to get my host on in a second, but I just wanted to make sure that I give special recognition to all you guys that's listening and telling us that they're really enjoying this show. Uh, Let me go ahead and bring my co-host on right now. We got Dr. Faye in the building. Hold on. Having a little issue with it. Okay, there we go. All right, we got Dr. Faye in the building. Dr. Faye, what's happening?
2: What's good, Deezy?
1: Yo, what's happening?
2: Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you. Okay, good. Just making sure. <laughs> okay. Oh, had a long day at work today, but of course, I always get perked up when it's time to do the show. You know, I get a break from mm-hmm. medicines Before we even get started, you're not slick. I want to wish... Mr. DZ, a happy birthday because today is his special day.
1: Uh, I didn't even say nothing, but I appreciate it. I Thank you, you so
2: much. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm excited about the show tonight. Uh, it's actually one of my really really good friends. I met him when I was 18 years old, and you know, of course, life takes you different places, but we've always managed to stay in touch. Very talented young guy, black guy out there in California doing his thing with black businesses so it's gonna be a great, good show for all of those listeners out there who are interested in, you know in starting your own businesses um, He's not Jamaican, he's actually Nigerian, but you know how they say, oh Jamaican have about five jobs. I seriously think he has about five or six startups no lie, <laughs> so you know it's gonna it's gonna be a good show. He worked very hard. I'm pretty sure in college you know he didn't sleep much. I'm pretty sure he doesn't sleep now but you know. You work for yourself, work. You work really hard, but you get to, you know, set up your own schedule. So it should be a good show. I'm excited about it.
1: Word, word up. And speaking of our guest of honor, let me go ahead and put him on right now. Uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name, so I'm going to go ahead and let that. We just P call him P Ish. Pr- <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> I just call him Ish. <laughs>
0: uh, that's too funny
2: ish what's up well, well. what's good
0: hey how you guys doing great
2: great are doing great so okay before we even get started tell the listener how to pronounce your name because i'm going to call you ish um moving forward but you know i want people to actually know your government name who you are so we can oh, start yeah. with that
0: yeah so the full government is akintunde ismail Mayigan. um I can being be my first name. Um, I started mainly going by Ismail, which is my middle name, because I grew up in the Middle East, and I happened to actually have a middle name that was Arabic, and like y'all, a lot of people had a hard time saying my first name, <laughs> so it just kind of mm-hmm. worked out. So in high school, I uh, pretty much going. By, I grew up going by Ismail, and it wasn't until uh, Stanford at college that, you know, some people who kind of knew how to say my first name kind of wanted to be different and say, oh, can I call you that instead? And my whole thing was, well, you can as long as you don't, you know, you just have to say it correctly. And so, it's kind of a funny thing. I have uh, half of my friends call me one thing and half call me the other. But, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's the uh,
2: <laughs> that's the story behind that. Do you wanna give a shout out to the Nigerian nation for those listeners who are out there, Igbo, European people? I'm not sure which one you are though.
0: <laughs> of course, shout out to my Nigerian people, my Nigerian entrepreneurs, uh working hard out there, my Nigerian doctors and professionals, but just everybody, my African American ones too. Uh it's all love, you know. So
2: Ah, oh, we appreciate the love. <laughs> we appreciate it <laughs> We're, so, uh, did, like so tell them this, just like what what it is that you do
0: Yeah so um working on two ventures um, one is pretty much my full time one one I've taken kind of a back seat on and I serve one in, in an advisory capacity but um I'm a, the chief technical officer of a company called Hinge 2 I'm a co-founder of it um, we build uh, crowdfunding sites um, and no no risk uh Pop up stores for fashion brands, influencers, and celebrities who essentially want to sell, sell merch but don't want to kind of invest in the inventory up front. So um, you can check it, check us out at hinge2.com, H I N G E T O.com. And so that's kind of my main thing. That's um, where a venture backed business, I have two co founders for that. And um, on the side, um, the one that I kind of just mainly act as an advisor for is a mobile gaming company, which I also co-founded, and that's called Big Wolf. So we make Android and <laughs> iOS games. Mm. Cool. So what, cool. what kind of games,
1: what, what games, have we heard of any of these games?
0: Yeah, um, so kind of, sort of, maybe. So our joint venture okay. partner, so... Essentially, the the people who we kind of make games with. So actually, let me take a step back before I answer that question. It's kind of like a a long-winded answer. Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. we decided to do very early on is we knew it was going to be very difficult to kind of like make and create games and market <laughs> them to the level of success that we needed to um, on our own dime. Um, this was a ve- this was a bootstrap business, meaning like it was my money, my co-founder's money. And uh, we knew, like, to get to the scale of, you know, the makers sure of the Candy Crush and those types of games, it was going to cost a lot of money. So what I did really early on is I sought out uh, joint venture partners, whom which we could build games collaboratively on um, to give it more of a fighting chance to win. So to that end, what okay. we did make is a game called Fruit Pop Story, uh, Fruit Pop Puzzle, which is a sequel to a game that has 10 million downloads. Uh, it's pretty well known if you're kind of, like, into mobile games. And so we built, we didn't build the original version, but we built the sequel to that. And um, Mm. back in April, it was briefly a top 10 US, uh, actually, it was a top, yes, it was a top 10 US game and a top 25 Mm -hmm. US app in in an iOS app store. But that partner we did that game with, um, a title you might know is called Mob Wars. And so Mob Wars back in the day was kind of the most famous uh, game on Facebook um it was made by our joint venture partner it killed it for them made them a lot of money um and it also ended up getting cloned by zynga and they kind of created a mm. game called mafia wars which you know did a lot of bad things right, which yeah. you know such as like they they just copied a lot of his stuff they linked from his assets they did a lot of just really egregious things that allowed him to actually sue them and win a significant amount of money so those are our joint venture partners. So when I say like, you know, while we worked on a sequel of one of their games, um, we kind of act as one company to some degree. So that's why the long winded answer.
2: <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, it's I, I really like the fruit pop game. You know, I started playing it and of course I got addicted to it. So <laughs> yeah. I had to weed myself off of fruit pop. So for people who Uh, seriously though I was like up at night you know trying to figure out these codes popping fruits and I was like I really need to go to bed right now like this is ridiculous but and it was ridiculous in a good way because people I'm seriously up it was kind of it kind of reminded me of words with friends like that type of addiction and I was just like really ish I'm you got me hooked on to (laughs) this but (laughs) but I really want to know like so for people who are into say you know the tech the tech games and you know the, with the android phones and stuff like how lucrative is that you know how to put your personal business out there but just from i guess you know without going into much detail about your finances but you know how do you make money from that because i didn't have to pay for that game but you yeah, know yeah that's I'm a just that's a very it. very
0: good question that's a very good question so you know we have um Okay, taking a step back on the industry. Most apps or games make money in a couple of different ways. One is IAP. So IAP stands for in-app purchase. So that's when um you probably never did this, but if you needed to buy more gems and you know, you probably just texted me <laughs> that I gave it to you just because I I could, right? But most people would just like buy it 4.99, 9.99 in the store or even 99 cents. And that might not sound like a lot of money, but when you have a million people playing a game or in the case of some of the bigger games, 25, 50, 100 million people playing, that adds up to a lot of money. Um, So that's one way a lot of people make money. We also make money off of what we call rewarded video. So there are some levels where if you didn't quite beat it and you were kind of a couple moves away, we would tell you, hey, you want to watch this ad, this advertisement. And if you do watch that, what happens is we get paid by the advertisers a couple cents, um, and then we Mm. give you a reward for engaging with that ad. So it's kind of like a win-win for everybody. So those are the two primary ways that Fruit Pop makes money. Um, But there's another way, which is just a regular ad, which I'm sure you've seen another ad where it's just like a banner ad on the bottom or like a banner That takes over the whole app when you start the app or whatever. Those are more intrusive, and those can really negatively affect your retention and how much people are willing to come back to play the game if they know they're going to get bombarded with ads. So we specifically try to avoid putting those types of monetization inside the game. With that said, the prequel actually monetizes mainly ads, and it does very well. Um, And like you said, I can't really get into details, but it does. Do signif- uh, significant amount of revenue, and uh, a lot of people do who, hide a lot of money. And you don't even have to necessarily be the you know the, one of the big publishers in the industry to make a living uh, making uh, Android or iOS games. You can, you know, uh, I, ha- I have a couple friends who were doing you know six figures a month um, with their seriously? games or their apps. Yes, seriously. Wait, um,
2: did they build it themselves? Like, what if you have, like, no background in engineering or computer science? Like, how, how do you get involved with that? And no money. Yeah,
0: no, money. so that's a, okay, well, so it's hard. With the no money, you have to kind of learn and, like, build, <laughs> learn to build them yourself. Now, there is kind of, like, this ecosystem that, that arose given the success of the advertising industry. So, Taking a step back, what happened was before the early entrepreneurs had to either make the apps themselves, app entrepreneurs make them themselves, mm-hmm. or they had to hire people to build them. Now, hiring engineers um, to build apps in the United States is very expensive. So what started to happen is a lot of people would go overseas, um, not necessarily go overseas in the literal term. They um, they would go on these, like um, – contracting, outsourcing kind of websites. Um, A really popular one was called Odesk. There was another one called Elance, where you could go and find talent. You know, you'd have people in Ukraine, in India, Pakistan, telling you, hey, I'm an engineer, I'm willing to work for X an hour, and their X an hour is substantially less than, you know, that of somebody here. And so what you would do is you would probably, you know, put together your app idea, you would put together competition, you put together mock-ups, ideally, and you'd hire them to actually build it. So that's how a lot of non-technical people started to actually build and uh, release apps. And so one of my most successful friends um, did this, actually. Um, And he was an engineer himself, but what he realized really early on is he wanted to essentially buy back his time, and what he realized his expertise was was in the marketing and distribution. He didn't want to get bogged down in the details of actually building some of these apps, so he essentially mm-hmm. like built an app factory, if you will, where he had lots of people helping him build apps. He would launch them. He knew really early on if it was going to be a success or not. He would uh, get rid of the ones that weren't uh, doing well, and he just kind of repeat this process because he kind of had a pulse on the industry, on what was like successful in the app store. You know, he was watching the app store every single day, seeing what kinds of games did well, what wasn't doing well. He understood what the big guys were doing to make their apps inherently viral, yada, 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 and just essentially mimicked them to create his own uh, versions. And, uh, yeah, he ended up Mm -hmm. actually selling his portfolio um, for, you know, six figures. And he's like a mild success story. There's a lot of people who were doing way, way more. I will say that that kind of like – that kind of – what's the word I'm looking for? That business model is a lot harder to do today. Just as it is with anything that becomes that is very lucrative really early, the the market kind of saturates, and as more people learn oh, okay. how to do it, like there's less of an opportunity. But, um, but still, even today, there is still an opportunity. I know many developers and apps that are, you know, um, rely solely on their income from, uh, from their apps. And in some cases, it's one app, and in some cases, it's you know, fifty or, or hundred apps. Cool.
2: So, let, so let, let me ask you this. I'm sorry, Deezy. Go ahead.
0: No, you good. Go ahead. It's your show.
2: <laughs> so well, appreciate it. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> let me ask you this. So like, so I read about like these articles, you know, regarding black funding and how, you know, black startups and entrepreneurs are significantly underfunded compared to their white counterparts. Have you experienced? Right any barriers do you think because of your skin color in regards to acquiring funds to promote your business or your ideas?
0: That is a very good question. Um, And it's hard to answer sometimes because it's kind of, you know, any racism here, and the one thing I would say about Silicon Valley is it's more of a meritocracy than lots of places. It doesn't mean it's a pure meritocracy. It means that like, if you show enough traction, you know enough people, you banging on enough doors, like, the money will come some way, somehow, most likely. Now, I think it's a lot easier for me because of the Stanford uh, degree, right? I think sometimes it might be a little harder for me to empathize with with a black founder who does not have that network because they didn't go to Stanford, right? And so – I've seen entrepreneur uh, black founders who didn't have that network um, ultimately get funded, but they had, a, they had a much harder time doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that, yes, it's absolutely uh, something that does happen. I think that, you know, p- pattern matching is very real. It's very real. Like, you know, if you don't look like Mark Zuckerberg and you don't kind of, like, have the typical Stanford-Harvard dropout, you know, Kids, uh prodigy, coding, kind of story that, you know, <laughs> they're gonna like really like ask way more questions than they perhaps might have if you were if you weren't right. So, um, yeah, I absolutely see it happen. I I, I want to say that thankfully, for us, we got lots of no's in our for Hinge 2 when we went f- uh, fundraising. We definitely got lots of no's. We're actually an all-black founding team. Um, two, really. Uh, one Ghanaian. Yeah, one Ghanaian one Nigerian and one African-American. Um, but with that said, we actually had, you know, we had a, we did, we kind of played the game, right? We aligned ourselves with some of the big kind of Silicon Valley players and the big funders whom we whom we all had respective relationships with uh, prior to us kind of like deciding to form this company together. And so again, and some of those advocate of ours, you know, uh, yeah, just made it a lot easier. But it was still difficult, mm. but they made it a lot easier. And it it's not something that ever really just comes up. Like, you don't necessarily leave a meeting sometimes feeling like, oh, they're, they're looking at me or they're not going to invest in me because I'm black. But, yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes you <laughs> leave a meeting and you're. it's very clear based on the things they're asking you or the, or the things they choose to bring up in the meeting is, like, you're, like, really, like, why are we talking about this? I'm scared of the summaries. But for the most part, you can you, you, can you, you try be your best. Can you
2: Because now I'm curious. As to what they asked you to make you believe or led you to believe that, you know, they're probably not going to fund me because I'm black?
0: Uh, that's a good question. Well, first thing, you can just look at their track record, right? Like you look at the companies they funded. Do they have any women founders they funded? Do they have any other African-American founders or black people they funded? Then you kind of get a sense of – uh If they're going to, but then sometimes you take the meeting anyway because you're like, hey, just because they haven't before doesn't mean that they're not they're not gonna fund me. Um, But it's just Mm -hmm. the subtle things. I can't even like I feel like you must have gone through this where it's just just, some and sometimes it's not uh, with a what's the word? It's not with a bad intention that some comments are made, right? It's like there was a guy in my um, incubator batch who went to meet with somebody because I'm having a hard time thinking of some of the things that I've heard. But there was a guy that went to a meeting and, you know, the the investor he was talking to just wouldn't stop talking about rap music and Pharrell. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But it's But like, yes, it is, though.
2: That's <laughs> what, We're not here to discuss that. I'm trying to get right. funny. Right. You just automatically right. assume because I'm black that I like Pharrell. You know, maybe I like Garth Brooks. That's
0: ridiculous. Right. So go ahead. Exactly. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. So things like that. Um, so for me, for, for Hinge 2, I, you know, most of the people I kind of like, Dealt with, I felt like I even had really ha- good relationships with that for the most part. That you know, I did We didn't have to deal with as much of that kind of crap. And um, my, I actually let my C, my co-founder, um, he's our CEO, handle most of the fundraising meetings. But it's just some of the things like in the few, and I went to a bunch of them. And in some of those, you know, there were one or two just microaggressions so that were just like, come on. But you know, we hear those things too from. um I think fundraising in general is just hard. Like, that's one thing I will say. Fundraising is hard. You're going to get, like, so many no's. So it's just about aligning yourself to get the most yeses as possible. And, um, you know, there's a girl that uh, there's actually Stanford uh, 06 who uh, I know she tried raising some money. And, uh, you know, she works out of my old uh, office. And it's been really tough for her. You know, she has a ton of press. She has, you know, she's a Stanford undergrad, MIT Sloan Business School. But she's just like – Yes, Stephanie Lamkin. Yep. Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah, I
2: remember
0: that. Yeah. So she's she's had a hard time, but you know, like for example, an intro that I made for her eventually uh, got her funded. Got her funded, but it was only a small piece relative to the, like what she really needed, and so, I don't know. Like I'd be curious to talk to her to see some of the things that she's kind of gone through. But then for her, it's even worse, right? Because like she's coming at it also as a woman. And, like, I remember her talking to uh, telling me a story about uh, uh, a potential funder who wanted to, like, meet late at night and stuff. And it was just hella inappropriate. And, oh, uh, wow. And, yeah. So mm. just just lots of funny business going on. So let me ask you a question
1: about that. As far as meeting, like, meeting up or, or what have you, in a situation like that, let's say you really. Let's let's say let's flip the script. Let's say it's a it's a woman funder, uh, and she wants to meet at an inappropriate time. Do you feel right? I mean, are you more to the point where it's like, well, I mean, this is a big investor. We might have to we might have to bite the bullet on this. Just see what she's talking about, or you're just like sticking to your guns and just like I, it's, it's not appropriate. Can we reschedule?
0: Yeah, that's it's a good like, question. You, you know, like. As a, as a dude, it's easier for me to say like, oh yeah, I, man, I have I have meetings at all time. All I have no barriers to my meetings. But sometimes I'll right. tell my girlfriend the time that I met with somebody, and it could be a dude, and she'll be like, oh, that's really late, or like, why are you mm-hmm. me? like you know. And so for me, I'm just like I don't have that same kind of like, which I probably should develop. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know what the <laughs> word awareness, if you will of, right. uh, you know, what's right. uh, proper or whatnot. But for me, I'm willing to, you know, if a lady or a dude wanted to meet late at night, um, and it's my business is on the line and I don't have any sense of funny business, then sure. But mm-hmm. if, I got, if I do have a sense of funny business going on where I think, like, you know, um, <laughs> you know when I was younger, my dad kind of warned me of situations of being, like, kind of trapped and, like, you know, make sure that, like, uh, you know... Mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't find yourself in a situation where you can't kind of like prove that you didn't do <laughs> certain things that you may accused of doing, right? And so, if I get the sense that that's the type of situation I'm walking into, even if I'm going for business, I mean, like, then I'm gonna be like, okay, you know, let me just be careful. Or even if I get the sense that okay, this lady is interested, I'm in a relationship or something like, it's probably not <laughs> a good look to to meet them that late, or if it is going to happen that late, I'm just going to make sure, like, my co-founder is there too or one of their mm-hmm. partners is there too so that, like, everything is just copacetic.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. And so well, let me ask you this as well, too. Let's say let's say you got your average listener listening to the show tonight and it's like, yo, this, this sounds like something I want to be a part of. What steps – first of all, is there – a way they can get involved with you guys and be a part of you guys' company, and secondly, what advice would you give them? Let's say they want to just start their own.
0: They wanted to start their own company. You're right. And would I, And would that question be a venture back thing or just any company?
1: I would say,
0: I would say any company.
1: Like, let's just say they're okay. they're motivated to start. A company you know let, let's say video games let's say they want to get into video games like they want to you know venture with some well I guess it's a venture thing joint venture joke <laughs> so let's say they want to get yeah. into video games they want to get a uh, name called name called a pretty big video game company let's say they want right. to you know try to do a joint partnership with them
0: right 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 okay so to the first question working with us right now, we're mainly looking for you know people who can help uh kind of help our business get to the next level so we're looking for people with relationships with brands influencers mm-hmm. such as athletes celebrities or whatnot um who are looking to monetize their following or their audience in a in this no risk mm-hmm. manner where we can kind of help them create merchandise for their for their audience so we do that with a Instagram influencer at the moment she does pretty well with us. And uh we also uh, actually signed Marshawn Lynch, so we do some stuff with him too. So we're actually helping him with his uh physical retail stores as well, because he looks at us as kind of leaders in uh apparel and merchandising and helping him come up with things that are gonna really do well for the for his uh constituency. Um we ended what? up helping him like can I, create. Can I ask you something is,
1: about that?
0: Ha oh, yeah, yeah, sure. well, yeah.
1: okay. <laughs> This is the thing because I know a, a lot of sports fans listen to this to our shows to our network. Marshall seems like the most closed off individual that you could meet right. in the sports world. <laughs>
0: so how did that
1: <laughs> meeting even happen?
0: Oh yeah, no, so that's funny. Uh, we got written up in Inc. like two weeks ago, and they kind of <laughs> talked about that. So my co-founder went to Berkeley right. with him, so mm-hmm. they, they went to undergrad okay. together. They weren't friends or anything, but, um, you know, but they kind of knew of each other. So there was initially that mm-hmm. home, you know, there's that, like, respect. Right? My co-founder is also from Berkeley. Marshawn's from Oakland. Right. So there's that East Bay kind of just love mm-hmm. off top. Yeah. Uh, but so when they went on to their respective careers, my co-founder had a really successful career at a, a retailer called Karma Loop. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them. They were at one point, like, the largest online streetwear retailer. Um, So, you know, he built himself a nice little reputation. And so Mm -hmm. when Beast Mode was kind of becoming a thing and uh, (laughs) it just made sense, right? For him, he wants Beast Mode to be one of the dopest brands ever. And so if he gets introduced to somebody who's from Oakland, and so he's big on just giving back to Oakland. Like people think he's closed Mm -hmm. off, but he's actually really, Mm -hmm. really, really passionate about the bay and the east bay and just like the kids and like that's just his passion like we see him all the time outside of the store because our old office was right next to him he'll just be out there playing ping pong just dapping up whomever like he just i think he has a a huge distaste for the establishment and the man if you will you know and that was like his major issue (laughs) with uh, (laughs) with like with the interview requests and like the forced interviews and all that stuff like He hated that he had to be forced to do that. Like, why can not he just kind of live? But – so that's – I think that's where that misunderstanding is. But he's actually, like, very interesting. Uh, You know, yeah, he – yeah, and he's been big for us for sure. So, yeah, I think a lot of people get surprised. Like, wait, how did you guys – but, yeah, he – um, if you yeah, we we played to his heart, and his heart is in his beast mode brand right now, his clothing, and then just the, the Oakland presence. And we're an Oakland-based company, too. So, again, that's another way for him in a subtle way to be giving back, right, working with a home-based company. So it just kind of worked. And then we also had lots of, like, thankfully the other thing that helped us out is we had a lot of mutual kind of connections where, you know, you can do those reference checks and we all come out cool. So it's easy for him.
2: Okay. So if, let me let me ask uh, you this uh, so for that the budding entrepreneur do most people start off working for someone else, or do they just automatically go into working for themselves
0: working for somebody else- um, good question oh, wait, so is the question is do most people go off like thinking, "Oh, I need to work for myself or they think about working for somebody else? Is that your question? yeah. Well, so I think, you know, working for yourself is tough. I mean, working, starting anything is, you know, I think it's, we live in a day and age where entrepreneurship is, you know, glorified and dramatized, and it's just, like, really awesome and sweet, and it's the sexy thing to do to some degree, uh, but it's really hard. And, like, in most instances, most people are better off working
2: for the man or working
0: wherever that they work just because they're not willing to. And, and it's not a bad thing. It's not like an attack on people or the, 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 the majority of the population. It's just like the, the stress that comes with not always knowing where the next paycheck is going to come from with kind of dealing with <laughs> Uncle Sam directly with kind of like oh. having a whole team relying on you too. Um, kind of yeah. feed them and to like drive direction and to own product direction even when you don't know and to lead and it's tough it's like really really hard and so i think like unless somebody has just this really dying this really like passionate thing that they're really trying to solve or they're willing to really understand all of the the, the bad ugly parts of it up front and really own it and understand it then like you're better off you know, working a nine-to-five where, you know, on the first and the 15th, you're going to get a check. Now, if you've done the research, you are inspired, you've heard, you've heard the ugly stories, they don't faze you, or, like, they phase you a little bit, but you're like, okay, no, that's fine, I understand, this thing is not all that rosy, um, I still want to go for it. Then, yeah, I think that, like, the, the biggest thing one can to do is just to start doing something, like, right now. Like, that's my biggest thing. So a lot of people, you know, when my the Inc. article came out last week, Um, I got so, I was bombarded with text messages and emails and calls and the common theme, which I really appreciated, was like, hey man, you deserve it. You've been at this for so long, right? And so, it was, and that was just really satisfying for me because like, for me, like, I took the first steps like, freaking in 07 uh, when I incorporated the company when I decided not, I didn't even know what I was going to do, right? But my whole thing was, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew the ugly side to it. I knew the glamorous side to it, but I knew the risks, but and because I knew the risks while I had a full-time job, I said, look, let me just, like, learn this game. Let me incorporate. Let me learn accounting a little bit. Let me learn the legal a little bit. Let me, like, just start talking to entrepreneurs. Because it's scary, too. It's really scary to kind of, like, be seen as a thought leader or to be kind of – to take on money to do something for anybody is very, 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 very scary. And so let me get that jittered out. Let me and you may remember uh, back then. I I started like a Facebook group where I would like share. So what I did is I, I incorporated this company and I was doing like web design for people. That was like my initial thing because I didn't know what to do. But I was like, you know, I have this skill set. Let me just do that for people. And so to get over my jitters, I created a Facebook group where I would share some of my early stuff. Some of it was garbage, but like I was sharing it <laughs> with really close friends who like whose opinion I could like take and you know like deal with. <laughs> And every mm-hmm. a way for me just to take that baby step, and once I kind of got over it, it was crazy. One opportunity led into another. You know, a hundred dollar project turned into a five hundred dollar, which turned into a three thousand, into a ten, into a fifteen, into a fifty, and it was just like, whoa! I'm at this point now that I could actually do this thing full time. But that's not what I really set out to do. I just set out to just start doing something and just to learn and just kind of like let the motion kind of take its course. And, uh, and thankfully it did. I, don't, I think it doesn't always, um, but I think just, like, the beautiful thing about starting and doing something, every day something gets uncovered. Like, these opportunities happen. Like, you know, what happened for me organically was, like, people started to be like, oh, I remember Ish added me to that Facebook group, and I know this person who said they need a website. I'm going to hook you all up. And then that person would, like, be happy, and then hook me up with somebody else. And before I knew it, I was working with, like, just Really big people, <laughs> and I was like, "How did I get here? This is crazy!" And I never could have even, like planned to get there. You know, so you like I so literally couldn't have planned to help. get there.
2: Sorry. Do you think social media really helps people's brand? Like, how important is social media in today's age, as far as marketing?
0: I think it's super important. I think you can build million. I, I not not only can you, I, I see it happen all the time. Like, very smart social media, and I'm not just talking about like only just posting to Facebook or to Instagram, even that, even though that works. It's more about understanding, like, the paid marketing tools that these platforms also enable. If you can master that and also master the organic, just like the regular posting aspect of these things, you can build a brand from scratch just off of these platforms, like, straight up. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting time we're in right now. And the thing is, like, you could build a brand that only has its core following and it doesn't matter. Because that core following is willing to buy everything you promote, everything you talk about, they laugh at everything you post, like they just they care about you and a lot of c- culture is coming from a lot of brands being built by these influencers and whatnot, and the brands and the more established brands who don't know how to kind of cultivate and you know nurture and like convert their following in social media are struggling because it's literally the it's the biggest marketing. Uh, channel and I, I'm sure like there's you know a Nielsen report that says oh no, actually TV still more important and bigger or whatever but in, in today's age if you, yeah social media is huge 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 and the internet in general but social media is huge
2: awesome um, awesome I mean I yeah. just asked you know I see I see on Facebook you know I'm CEO of you know big bank Hank entertainment. And, you know, I just see looking at people who are CEOs, so I really want to do this show to, you know, expose people to what really goes on behind the scenes of some very successful companies. And, right. you know, the glitz and the glam, but there's a lot of hard work and polishing right. that goes along with that before you even see the final product, you know? Right.
1: Um, right. Man. <clears throat> I got to say, Ismail. Uh I appreciate like you like listening to you talk it like motivated me a little bit. It's just like, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I need to get out I'm here really and do a that. little bit better than what I'm doing <laughs> so I'm uh, really man I appreciate that. you co- coming through, man. Can you tell the people your website, the projects you're working on anything any like any insight to you know anything that you you got going on so maybe we can look out for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, once again, so the main thing we're working on is com. So that's H-I-N-G-E-T-O.com. Um, love for people to kind of sign up and check it out and give us any feedback they have. Um, like I said earlier, looking for, you know, brand relationships or influencer or celebrity type relationships. And if they're looking for to download some games, check out BigWolf.com. So bigwol com. Those are just some casual games we've kind of worked on. And um, my personal blog is on call me Ismail, which is c a l l m e i s m a i m a i l dot com. But I just I haven't done a good job of updating that, just to be honest. But I am working on it. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm am all over the web, whether it's Snapchat, Instagram. So I'm not too hard to find. And uh, yeah, I'd love for people to kind of just connect uh, if they you know, whether they want some advice, guidance, or whatever. I'm uh, I'm always around.
1: Word up. Man, appreciate you from calling up. Uh Dr. Fay, you got anything else you want to say before I uh doc, I mean Ismail
0: Go. I
2: uh, just want to give a shout out to all my Stanford listeners out there. Um we just had an alum who won the gold medal in swimming. Yes, we have Dorado. Yes. Oh wait, Dorado
0: yeah. and uh what was the other no, manual? Simone Manuel, Simone yeah. Manuel, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, she just going go. So we got some black girl magic tonight in addition to yep. Ishmael and his black boy magic. So <laughs> it's been so I'm excited about it. And once again, Ish, you're one of my favorite people, of course, you already do that. So I just want to thank you for coming on the show. I know you're very busy, so I really, really appreciate it.
0: I know you're very welcome. Yeah, we go way back, so <laughs> way,
2: way back. <laughs> cool. All right, so, all right,
0: right, right thank you all for having me.
1: Not a problem. Thanks for coming up. Come back anytime, man.
0: For sure. That
1: was Ishmael.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, I'm I'm going to get his name and learn it, and then I'm going to properly <laughs> say it. <laughs> but, you know, the Being Black in Silicon Valley dope show. Dr. Faye, any last words of wisdom before we wrap up?
2: Uh, I what did you think about the show, Deezy? I I really wanted you know black entrepreneurs to, or just people who are interested in business. Period. Whether you know you want to start your own dental practice, medical practice, you know your own radio show. It doesn't really matter. It's just you know what goes on behind the scenes of um, starting your own, own business. It's just a lot of work. You know they always say that you mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur you're going to work eighty hours yourself from working 40 hours for someone else and I think that holds true Mm -hmm. so I hope people Mm -hmm. out there really enjoy the show and our next show will be in about two weeks and we will have a teen mom who is a fourth year medical student she's an aspiring Mm -hmm. radiologist and that should also be a great show more black girl magic coming to you guys very soon so looking forward to that I mean, I thought
1: the show was dope. Like like I said, I mean, it's, it's very hard to have a conversation with somebody that can actually motivate um, you. And like I said, it, it makes me, as you alluded to with the radio stuff, it's like it's hard work. Like People just think, people just hear people talking and just like, oh, I can do radio. And they don't have the consistency to do it. So, I mean, I can only imagine what he's going through, going out here trying to find founders and investors and you know people to to invest in in the company that they're they have so that's and not that's a, not easy at all
2: No because it takes a lot of courage to approach someone about investing in your dream, your baby, and you don't know the outcome. You are hoping that it goes well, but you have to show persistence and you have to be able to handle the word no. I'm not interested. Well, I don't think it's going right. to be a great idea, and you can't let that deter you. If this is something you, you are really, really interested in and you wholeheartedly believe in your dream and your abilities, you got to better brush it off and keep it moving. Like, okay, next, on to the next one. And I just think it's just yeah. more exponentially more difficult for just black people in general because we don't really have that network. And he alluded mm-hmm. to that, you know, that he's well-connected, and he does have the pedigree in the background. That affords him that access, but for the guy who's in St. Louis, you know, who's busy working on a record label or some other venture who may not have access to that, it's going to be an uphill battle for him. But I don't think it's impossible. Right. It just right. I think who aren't fully aware of the work that needs to be done and what's fully involved with you know making that success happen.
1: Yeah, yeah I totally I agree. <laughs> But, I mean, it was a great show. I'm looking forward. Like I said, these shows are getting more and more. I it's, it's, I can't really say <laughs> which one I like the best because it, it always seems like, well, we just talked about this. I don't know how that show is going to top this. And then the next show, is like, okay, that that was better than the last show. So you never know with this show. So uh, we're getting ready to wrap up. You can tell the people where they can follow you at, all yeah. your information.
2: I can be followed on IG. I am LDY Superfly, and that's with an E R, not super with an A. And also, you mm-hmm. can follow me on Twitter. Also, I am LDY Superfly, and you'll see my little egg because I don't have an um, picture up. But you, I'm listed mm-hmm. under Queen B, so you'll find me there. <laughs> and I always post upcoming shows on my IG or Facebook account. So just stay tuned, people. It gets more and more interesting each time.
1: Word up. Y'all know what it is with me. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, VPDZ, and Official Culture Radio, OKR Radio, on Twitter and Instagram, and on Facebook. So thank you guys for tuning in. We're going to end the show right here, and we'll see y'all in two weeks right here on the Brown Sugar and Spice Show, and we're out of here.